Are you looking to franchise, start a new business, begin an exit strategy, sell your company, plan your succession, retire, write a book, become a speaker, create a course? Then stay tuned for what's next. I'd like to introduce you to Lydia Allen, a dyslexia interventionist certified by International Dyslexia Association. She also holds certificates from the Academy of Orton-Gillingham and Bright Solutions for Dyslexia. Now, her distinctions include being appointed to the state campaign for grade level reading in 2019. And if you hear that truck, that's just outside my window. Um, so where was I? Uh, you, she was appointed to the state campaign for grade level reading in 2019, joining the committee's conceptual framework subcommittee in 2020. And she actually co-authored the, the resource conceptual framework science for reading, which is a statewide resource for parents and educators. Lydia is passionate and you'll understand this. She's passionate about improving literacy and establishing accessible dyslexia therapy. Welcome to the podcast, Lydia. Thank you. Thank you. That was quite an introduction. I uh, know. It's uh, pretty the whole impressive. Resume. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, 45? So good. <laughs> That's fine. Well, hey, um, let's, let's start at the beginning a little bit. Um, where did you grow up? And when you were a kid, what did you always want to be? Where did I grow up? So, um, I grew up in Alabama mm -hmm. and when I was a kid, I wanted to be an equestrian. An equestrian. Yep. Where'd that come from? I loved horses and I loved riding and I just, that's all I wanted to do. That's the only... I wasn't super great with school because I'm dyslexic and we'll get to that later, but okay. I loved animals and I loved horses. So I was like, you know what? This is, this is the way for me. This is the way to be just wake up, ride all day and teach some lessons and then move on. But it didn't work out because as it turns out, I, while I'm an okay rider, I am not an excellent rider and you need to be excellent to do that. Okay. Okay. Well, um, it is what it is. Horses never talk back. Horses don't also do not ha know how to read. So I can imagine the connection, right? That's true. They don't talk back, but they do buck. Yeah, that's true. Well, they do misbehave in their own way. <laughs> so there's a benefit to what you're doing now. Now you have a lot to do with dyslexia, as we already know from the, inter the introduction, but how did you get into the field of dyslexia? Yeah. So, um, this is an interesting story or interesting to me. Um, but I, I'm dyslexic. And so growing up, I just remember the struggles and the toll that it took on my parents who were advocating for me and the toll that it took on me and my self-esteem and my, my vision of my own self-worth. And so my parents were wonderful advocates and got me reading intervention and dyslexia therapy. And that was great. And you know, I mean, I'm very grateful for that, but it was terrible. Like I hated it. I hated doing it. It was awful. And I also hated the way I felt in the classroom. And so I decided I was going to be a teacher because I wanted to be there for students who were like me, who felt kind of like two inches tall in a classroom. And then I was in my first education course and my professor, Dr. Bainham, pulled me aside and was like, hey, all your stuff is about reading. You know that you can be 
like, this is a field, like you can do this. And I was like, I did not know I could do that. And that's exactly what I want to do. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I met a woman who was an alum of my university and she connected me with a nonprofit that works with children with dyslexia and helped put the Wilson reading system into schools countywide and provided professional development. And I thought that was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Um, they're called the Learning Alliance and they were just fabulous. They're still going today. Um, so I did an internship with them and just learned so much. And I was like, oh, this is definitely for me. Um, then I continued to do internships where I was teaching more hands-on with um, adult learners who, um, not with uh, TLA, but a different organization. And I was working with adult learners who had all been, like they were all ex-cons. And so I was teaching them to read and that was really fun. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then when I graduated college, I just jumped in with both feet, got as much professional development as I could. And here we are. You just, uh, now the website that we will find you at is jumpreading.org, am I right? Yes. Okay, so jumpreading.org didn't just materialize out of nowhere, right? Uh, you did things before that led to setting up your own jump reading. And, and so you transitioned, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first came out of college, I worked at another clinic and just learned so much from them. And it was a fabulous experience and I really enjoyed it. And they really helped me kind of direct me toward the, you know, what I was trying to do and where I wanted to go. And then um, COVID happened mm. <laughs> and we had to figure out how to teach online. And I was like sitting here thinking about teaching online. And I thought about all the, you know, shame of being dyslexic and not wanting anyone to know and the privacy factor that online provided because I'm not pulling kids out of classrooms. I'm not going, you know, they can do it very privately. And I thought, okay, that's, that's something. And then I started thinking about, you know, I'd always had these like great big ambitions, right? I always wanted to help kids all over the place learn to read. And here was this opportunity. It just fell in my lap of online intervention. I was like, oh my gosh, we could take this and literally be everywhere that has access to internet. And I know that's not everywhere, but our reach expands tremendously to families um, who either don't have access to services in their community, whose kids want to keep things really private and it feels a little more dignified to do it online. Um, and I, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, uh, community, like people who didn't have access to brick and mortar, right. people who wanted to keep it private as well as, you know, people who had busy schedules. So you have families and they oftentimes have multiple children. And if you're having to do this therapy, that really cuts into commute time and when we can do X, Y, and Z. And so it just kind of simplifies things and makes family schedules easier um, while allowing kids to still engage in extracurricular activities, which as I've just discussed, horseback riding was a big one for me and was kind of the thing that made me feel good. They made me feel confident. So I want to make sure that kids always have the chance to be a part of that as well. And online contributed to that too. So 
Beautiful. So you say COVID happened and everyone thinks, oh yeah, what a great threat. (laughs) But it became your great opportunity. It became my great inspiration. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what has been the funnest, easiest thing about what you're doing right now? What is it? Ooh, what's fun? It's all fun. It's all fun. It's, um, it was a lifelong dream to own my own clinic. Um, it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. I really thought that I, you know, pre COVID I was like, okay, like this is where I work and this is what I'm doing. And like, this is great. And I enjoyed that. Um, and then, you know, I left and realized that I, you know, still wanted to be working. And so kind of jump materialized, but Hmm. I say materialized, a lot of work went into jump. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, a lot of work, I mean, even the tone of your voice, a lot of work and all of the entrepreneurs listening right now are going, yeah, I get it. (laughs) You know, that turning the flywheel is not easy. So what would you tell the audience was the hardest thing so far about setting up jumpreading.org and your business? Okay. There was a time that if you had asked me, like if an entrepreneur or someone who wanted to start their own business came to me and asked, should I start a business? There was a time when I would like, or what advice do you have? I just would have said, don't. (laughs) Um, Like it's, it's incredibly difficult. However, where, what I would like to refine kind of that idea into bite sized pieces. Don't try to eat the whole pie at once. Take it one step at a time and trust that you will figure it out. You are capable and you are able to roll with the punches and figure out your next move. So again, like it's, um, I don't know if anybody watches like How I Met Your Mother, but there's like a scene where they're like, oh, that's for future Ted to deal with. And just, you know, like that's for future Lydia to deal with. We're going to take today and we're going to solve the problems at hand and we're going to figure out a way to move forward. So if you can strategically do that and trust that you can continue to strategically maneuver, you will be okay. That's what I would say. Beautiful. Right-sized pieces. Before we started recording this podcast, you had just mentioned that you got off on the a TikTok, a viral TikTok, right? Yes. Uh, and now you've got a lot of people... Um, inquiring as to what you can do. What do you attribute the viralness of what it is you do? (laughs) Okay. So this has been a journey. I was like, so not, I was so anti TikTok. TikTok has turned out to be a lot of fun. So when you talk about things that are fun, like the dream come true is a lot of fun. Um, Learning TikTok has been a lot of fun. Talking to parents, it's all been fun, right? But TikTok, I literally, so um, someone had suggested that I get on TikTok and I literally laughed at him, like straight up was like, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're, he knew, he knew what he was doing, but I was like, you don't know who you're talking to. Like my personal Instagram has five posts from the last three years. Like it's, I'm like not a social media person. So, um, I like, I kind of laughed at him a little bit 
and his name is Stephen Pope and he's fabulous. He was a fabulous, he is a fabulous mentor to me. And he, um, anyway, but he told me to get on TikTok. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. So I, he's like, just try it. I was like, okay, like whatever. And so I got on there and I started kind of like doing things and I had one video pop a little bit. Um, you know, it ended up, now it has more, but it, at its peak before I went viral, it had like 15,000 views and it was about classroom activities that traumatized dyslexic students. So that one was cool, you know, created a little bit of a following. I had like 1500 followers. Then I posted a video and y'all controversy is good. I just didn't know that this was as controversial as it was. And I posted a video and I started it with reading is not natural. And it blew up immediately. Within 24 hours, I went from 1,500 to 18,000. Wow. And now, and this is still, I'm still rolling on this, this one viral video. And now I'm at like 56,000. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but what ended up happening from that is that all these parents and I'm sitting here talking about how reading isn't natural and how we can actually teach reading. And we know how to teach reading through the science of reading, which is research, but it has to be taught because there is no piece of our brain designed to read, which is shocking because there is a piece of our brain that is designed to speak. So I went on to explain all this and all these parents flooded into my emails and my phone and all, and it was incredibly humbling. Mm -hmm. Um, that that many people were like, yes, like, I'm so glad to hear someone talking about this. And what was even more humbling is the amount of adults that came to me and said, I can't read. Can you help? And that, whoa, y'all, that is heavy, heavy stuff that you're opening emails and people are pouring their hearts out to you. And you're just wading through these pools of parents and adults and high school students, high school students. Um, who were reaching out and asking for help. And so that is the story of how I went viral on TikTok. This kid who never posts on any social media. <laughs> my profile picture is literally still my wedding photo. Like, <laughs> like do not post. Um, and it just, it snowballed. And it's, it, it has been a very, very humbling, humbling experience. So the jump team, like I called everyone and I was like, as it was happening, I like texted everyone. And I was like, uh, y'all, this is happening and we need to be ready to get to our stations. And um, so we've been working all week to respond to these emails. I mean, every time I, I just came right now, <laughs> I mean, we're, but we're all just working really hard and um, to, to meet these needs. So, we're really excited about it and, um, you know, but also just incredibly humbled. It's really humbling when someone's willing to come to you and talk about something that is so sensitive and people feel so embarrassed by it. And um, it's really, really humbling when people trust you to, to come and have that conversation. So you have stumbled upon what so many people who start something hope that they are doing the right thing to reach. Uh, you you are meeting a very specific need 
that you have just opened up the door of hope to so many people. Yeah. And what I like about this is you it it isn't making you arrogant, it's making you humble. You're you're taking the right approach to that. You you're responding in a in a way that look, um I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but um we're going to make this thing work. And that is inspiring. It's I think it's easy to stay humble because a it's just starting. So, you know, there's there's that bit of it. Um B it's mission driven. It's not about making tons of money. It's not about getting famous. It's not about any of that. It's about helping people who need the help, want help, and who are willing to come forward very vulnerably. Mm-hmm. And if someone's coming forward with their their deepest, darkest secret, and that's what that's what illiteracy is. No one wants to know. And I got so many comments on this um, this page about I've never met an adult in the U.S. that couldn't read. Yes, you have. They don't wear a badge. They do everything they can to hide it. And so when people are coming forward and they're they're sharing something that they never wanted anyone to know, you meet them there and you sit with them in that that vulnerability and you do everything you can to help. With that, I'd like to take an opportunity and kind of give a shout to local literacy councils. So if you are an adult who struggles with reading or you know an adult who struggles with reading, refer them to the local literacy council and see if they provide intervention and adult literacy classes because while I can do that, Jump Reading is not a nonprofit and I don't have scholarships available yet. So I want to make sure that these people are getting help as soon as they can. This is fascinating. You are doing God's work and I wish you all the best and we're going to stay in touch. I have one last question for you. How many times do you hear, oh my word, you sound and look like Julia Roberts? I hear that all the time. It was when I was a little girl, I heard it all the time. But when I was a little girl, I didn't like, I didn't take it as like a compliment. And now that I'm an adult, I hear it less as an adult. And I'm like, wait, no, keep telling me things like, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. Um, Because it's. Yeah, I love I love Julia Roberts. She um, she has a great big smile. It's top teeth only, just like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I love we so we have the same hair. It, mine's tame today, yeah. but um, same great big hair. Yeah, I don't know if any of you saw Mystic Pizza, but my hair does that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really love Julia Roberts, and I have really really enjoyed those compliments as they've come in. You're inspiring. You are doing a great thing. Um, I wish you all the best. Let's stay in touch. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate coming on here and talking about jump and talking about like helping kids become confident and independent and, and being a resource to them and their family. So this is always fun to talk about and I really appreciate the opportunity and I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Beautiful. Thanks. Thank you. 
This has been another episode of What's Next, the podcast for powerful people who have an eye on the horizon. It's a podcast about real people making significant moves in their lives. My name is Scott Kokenauer. I'm so glad that you've taken time out to tune in. I'll see you on the next valuable interview.